Hey guys, welcome to the Change Up Podcast. Josh and Chad here. This is where we talk about culturally relevant topics, but we look at them through an honest gospel worldview. Let's get it. What's up, Chad? What's up, Josh? Good morning to you. Good morning. <laughs> How is uh, holding down Louisiana? I'm trying, bro. I'm trying. It's not easy. I tell you, you know, we, we just had a big, um, not a big staff meeting. We always have a staff meeting, a director's meeting and stuff at Nehemiah Project. But I'll tell you here, um, on all of our counselors and everybody here is just feeling this cloud this heaviness this darkness around our ministry in a way of like just spiritual warfare honestly um there's no way to explain it otherwise you know um it's not like everything's going wrong or anything like that it's just like man the counseling room is heavy some of our clients are struggling and going through some stuff it's just like we're just feeling that battle right now and uh mm-hmm. but the cool thing is on the heels of our last podcast, you know, it's our response has been we we got to get together and we got to pray more. We got to pray our guts out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, every every time, I mean, I've always I've always uh, well not always, but um, I have a regular habit of prayer. But the past two weeks, I feel like every spare moment. Or even in the middle of counseling meetings, like while someone's talking in my head, I'm praying. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm living in the throne room right now because I need it. Yeah. You know? um, but that's good. That's good for me, you know. Um, and it's good, good for our clients. I mean, it, the Holy Spirit has to move, you know, for stuff to happen. So. Yeah, I've I've gotten to speak with a few guys that have spent years overseas in places like Thailand. Uh, China, which it would seem the consensus is the spiritual realm yeah. is a lot more overt over there. I'm not going to say more active because right. it's active everywhere. But they, but they, I think they do. They spend more time in it. Like the people, kind of, they're very spiritual in that way. Like, uh, well, even the cultures, even the part of the culture that's not Christian is just more mm-hmm. open spiritually. Yeah. Um, and so. Like they have so many stories overseas of some of this more mm-hmm. like supernatural heaviness, darkness, eeriness, crazy mm-hmm. dreams, like um even like demon possessions, like yeah. I can't feel be like described really I feel anywhere. like we see that in the New Orleans area more than in a lot of places in the United States for that very reason of some of the voodoo culture and different things like that. But um but at this city, you know, I've often heard other pastors and people say, and we've felt this since we've been here, is like there is a as much as we love this place, there is a darkness over it, you know, like they can't explain why the suicide rates are so high. I can't explain, you know, things that don't make a whole lot of sense to the, to the world, you know, make a lot of sense to us because of a lot of that, like hedonistic culture, a lot of that extra spiritual, you know, tarot reading cards, all that kind of stuff. That's just prevalent. It's like, man, there, it feels like a spiritual realm runs a little, a little hotter here. Although it's everywhere. But yeah, because people invited well, in, it's it seems to be more prevalent. Is what I'm trying to say. And what I notice from the guys that do spend time in these cultures is their faith. It's a little different. Like it's not. It doesn't feel the same as talking to just an American Christian. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the, the fluff is kind of cut out. Like, yeah, you know, they're just like more like battle hardened. It, it yeah, would seem for like. Sure. And so that's been that's been interesting just to see yeah. that perspective. I'm, I haven't been exposed to overseas missions. Yeah, so. American Christianity is pretty soft in a lot of ways. Like, um, yeah, we're we're not faced with persecution. We're not faced with reality as much. Not that we're not faced with it, but we ignore it a lot in our prag- pragmatism of our Christian culture. You know, of yeah, of the Bible light and and really the motivational speakers that are calling themselves pastors. You know, churches like that, it it uh it doesn't really lend itself, honestly, 
to a lot of spiritual warfare because places like that aren't really battling spirit. You know, like you're kind of doing what Satan wants you to do in that way. If like we're not taking it seriously, yeah, it's exactly what he wants. But if you are taking it seriously and you are in the trenches with people and sharing your faith and discipling them and like in that, man, you all of a sudden you start to feel it. <laughs> At least I have. Yeah. I can say in my experience as a pastor and as a counselor, I've battled like this is not new to me. You know, this is like round 20 in my life of seasons like this now yeah. at this point and so i, I kind of already know what it is type of deal at this point you know early on it was definitely more shocking and took me more time to get out of it because i wasn't responding you know as rightly as responding a lot of times in my maybe my own strength or my own like how do i fix this versus now my response is man god i need you <laughs> i pray i gotta read yeah. i gotta pray you know i gotta pray my guts out because it's spiritual warfare, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, along those lines, our first take it or leave it topic is <laughs> warm, fluffy blanket. Oh, you know how to speak my language. I hate that I'm going to take this one because you say I always take the first one, so I really wanted this week to say leave it, but uh, you you wet my appetite. Uh, this might help you with your spiritual warfare, man. It's, uh, it's about emotional support animals. So you know how- <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you guys just need a uh, a big German Shepherd to come in there and like bark away all the. Spirits. That was that was a that was a good zig right there. I just <laughs> I did not see that one coming. I thought you were going to talk about spiritual warfare or something. Not, not not that. Well, I mean, you know, dogs can see like they got that sixth sense. I think they can see spirits. <laughs> so oh maybe y'all gosh. get like y'all could get a dog under the guise of oh it's an emotional support animal. Yeah. Um, so basically, the topic That's is you can ridiculous. you can buy uh, a certificate off the internet for emotional support animal, and then you're able to just like bring these animals. You put a little red vest on them, you know, and then you're able to bring them into places that you know previously weren't allowed uh, animals. So, what's your take on emotional support animals? It's ridiculous. Do you ever prescribe them as a biblical counselor? No. Um. <laughs> Here's here's the th- I'll say this. What makes me upset about things like this are it's people's pretentiousness and self-importance and self-involvement that take things that for some are helpful and completely destroy it and make it ridiculous in trying to pretend like they need it, right? Like mm-hmm. like a CNI dog that's needed, right? And there are some instances where a pet can be comforting or something like that but now we've taken it to this degree where we basically are saying that to be emotionally stable now we just we just need a little company a little pet the reason why we need all that is because our our society continues more and more to become individualistic self-involved self-important because you know you know what that's replacing community <laughs> that's replacing yeah. the need for community in the body of Christ. You don't need an emotional support animal if you have somebody you can actually call and talk to about real stuff and that'll encourage you in your faith <laughs> and pray for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you have the Holy Spirit and you have the gospel, you don't need an emotional support animal. But what I'll say for lost people, for people who don't have the gospel, I mean, I can't I can't hate on them. They need everything they can get, you know. Right. <laughs> I mean, I what say, do you always say? Lost people are going to act like lost people. Yeah, I don't mind that. the The ones that make me upset are the ones who claim to be Christians and doing that stuff. If you're right. if you're someone who doesn't know Christ, I ain't mad at you. I want to come to you and try to share with you a better, some better news than that. You know, but man, the Bible says you're dead in your trespasses and sins as a lost person. So without Christ, man, it, to me, it makes complete sense why people would want to use drugs or why people would want to do all that stuff. If if you're dead yeah. in your trespasses, you have zero hope of eternity, zero hope in, in your creator and a relationship with your creator. I mean, you're just trying to medicate and feel good. And get through this life as best you can, you know? Um, so for me, that's a sense of urgency. When I see stuff like that, it just, when I get um, not angry, because it doesn't make me angry. When I get, I don't know, I don't know how to say it, because I'm not angry in a way of like, I, I'm mad at that person. I'm more frustrated at the situation Mm -hmm. and what that would 
what that spurs in me is like we have to share the gospel more <laughs> like we have to proclaim the truth of god's word we have to challenge the false teachers and the the falsehoods of american christianity because this is the result no one has any real hope and uh first and second timothy it talks about that where it talks about false teachers in both of them but in one of them i'm not remembering exactly the verse right now but just go read those two letters they're not very long where it says um they'll have a form of religion but it has no power right mm-hmm. and um man that's our and that broad stroke our american christianity there's good churches out there don't hear me wrong there's great pastors and good churches out there but but the majority what you see at the forefront is a watered down christianity that's not um it's a form of religion but it has no power and it makes me sad that's amazing you were able to uh bring <laughs> a service animal into that hey. little soapbox there hey does it, i mean am i wrong what i'm not even upset i'm impressed like wow it's all related man yeah it is all right what about my next topic is oh what's the name of it um four tens four tens four tens like the gun four ten well it's like like four tens <laughs> i know just because of the phone it's it uh it's kind of like slurring the last little part of it so i'm just that's why i'm like the number four and then the number 10. All right. And then a plural, pluralization right, yeah, yeah. of that. So I'm hearing it right. I'm hearing it right. I just want to make sure I was hearing what you're saying right. Right, right, right. Uh, I'm feeling good today. I'm going two for two. Let's take it. Okay. The uh, four tens is um, in regards to work weeks. We yeah. work a lot in our culture. Should we work less? Should we work mm. four days a week? Uh, yes and no. So... I think that's a good question. The reason why I say yes is I do think, especially in our American culture, that we have an identity in work. We just did a podcast for the Nehemiah Project that will be coming out on Thursday about work-life balance, talking about this mm-hmm. very thing. So a little plug there, coming out Thursday. Well, Oh, nice. Actually, if you're hearing I didn't this, even know that. If you're hearing this, it's already out because it's coming out Friday. So, right. So it's, it's, a, it's there. So go listen to it. Um, but that idea, you know, that work-life balance and really talking about that identity that we find in work in our culture and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So yes, short answer is we do spend too much time at our jobs and find identity in it. Now I wanted to find work though, because there's the other side of that coin. A lot of times we only define work by our place of employment that we get money from. But we as mm-hmm. believers are called to be, if you're a husband, to lead your family. If you're a wife, right, to, to be a helper and to be uh, a homemaker and different things that the Bible says about that. If you're, if you're single, you know, you have, we all have the call, and this goes for husbands, wives, and s- singles, to, to cultivate and share our faith and spread the image of God throughout the world. So you should be looking to spend time with neighbors, friends, you know, pray. Spend, obviously spend time with God is first and foremost, right? Um, so we have a lot of responsibilities outside of our workplace that makes us money that we tend mm-hmm. to completely forget and push to the side in the guise of working. And I, can, I think that's completely wrong, that it should be seen more as um, a flow, right? Working rhythms, like... You should first and foremost spend time with God. You should go to work and do a good job. You should come home and lead your family or, or be a part of your family if that's you know what the season you're in or be with your roommates or whatever. You should spend time with neighbors and friends and people that are lost that you're trying to share your faith with. You should spend time resting in a Sabbath kind of way, resting in the Lord. That's a command too. So resting is even intentional, right? It's not this escapism that, that we look at in American culture, but yeah. it's, it's meant to be intentional, right? Uh, so there should be a flow, a a, uh, a balance in all that. That's that's all coming out of a worship for the Lord, right? 
Yeah, I think a, a big mistake a lot of people make is when I'm not working, I'm resting. As right. if like productivity at your place of work is the only way to work. Right. And then when you're not working, you need to be being lazy. Essentially. Exactly. I hear guys complain so about that all the time. Dangerous. I hear guys complain about that all the time, and and I'm I'm guilty of it at times in my life, and I've I've repented and learned from it, and I try to stay repentant in it, but like. Well, it's my day off, and I gotta, I gotta mow the yard. I gotta go to my kids' ball game. Or, uh, we gotta, and it's like it's chore. It's like no, bro. It's, that's part of your responsibility. It's to take care of your right. house, to to invest in your children, and like that's a, you know, Friday ain't ain't a day off to just lay on the couch and watch football, you know, or or movies. It's like right. Have, it's you're you're not at your place of employment maybe that day or your Saturday, but. Your job ain't over, <laughs> you know. But that would really help. But I could see the danger if we started like working four days a week mm-hmm. at our job, and then one day a week was like to because like we neglect our families so much. Oh yeah, you know, and just in in this culture, what if like you know Saturday was your rest day? Yeah. Sunday was the Lord's day. Yeah, for sure. And then Friday was your family chore day, but also just yeah. like being more intentional like a whole day yeah. devoted to that, you would be so much mm-hmm. healthier, you know, in, well, in your life. And I'll, I'll tell you from experience, that's absolutely true. That's, that's, you just explained my work week. <laughs> um, yeah. It's taken me a while to get there and learn these lessons. So everything I'm saying, I've had to learn the hard way myself. Um, Cause I came from a, an upbringing that work was everything like work hard. Like it was a, the biggest sin in my house. Although, my dad and they didn't follow the Lord or anything like that, but to them was being lazy. And so right. like you were working on the farm, you're do, you're always doing something. Or if you're sitting on the couch yeah. watching TV, you were, if it wasn't dark outside, you were a piece of junk. If, if you're sitting on the right. couch watching TV, you know what I mean? So I have that same mentality that I've had to fight through of like, man, it's, it's daylight. Like I, I need to be doing something. But then I also have the wrong mentality of like, well, Work's over. It's time to sit on the couch and watch sports now. You know, like, that's also wrong. Um, Yeah. So anyway, and my wife's been a great helper in this way. So now my flow, my rhythm is, uh, and and I'm in ministry, so this also goes into this. Uh, So, like, ministry, you're never really off, but you have to create margin for rest and stuff. But my work week is Sunday through Thursday. But Sunday, my work, since I am a pastor— you know, is the Lord's day, you know, cause I'm helping, uh, put on those services and make all that happen. Right. right? Uh, but my Friday, you know, is I'm not, at, I'm not in the office. I'm not at Nehemiah project or at the church. I'm at home. And that day is really designated as do something fun with the family and do chores. You know, like a lot of times mm-hmm. when the kids are in school, that was like a date day for Marie and I, like the morning would be focused on, you know, maybe go to the gym together, then sit somewhere and, and maybe read together or, or go to the lakefront or maybe go take the kayak out. It's just like a little free, you know, free babysitter while they're in school. And then when the kids get off, and, and then uh, once we were done with that, we'd take a couple hours and clean the house, you know, do stuff around the house. And then the kids come home and then hang out, right? So it's kind of like a project slash, you know, date day or whatever. That kind of thing. Um, and then Saturdays, oh, we call it Saturday Sabbath. I think I've talked about it on here. So no technology, you know, put everything away. But that day we're still like, it's not like I'm just lazy and around. It's, you know, my Hudson might have a ball game we're going to together. Or we'll, we'll uh, you know, go to the pool or we'll hang around the house and, and play games. It's just like we have activities that we're doing, but I'm resting from you know, work or resting from being distracted. Yeah, it's just important that, like, everything has a purpose. Yeah. You know, and it's all coming through the purposes right. that God has given us. Like, we're thinking through everything in our lives, not mm-hmm. what's serving us, but, hey, this rest day actually helps me be more effective for the for sure. Lord. For sure. Because it's going to, I'm not going to burn out. Yeah. Like, it's going to energize me. You know, I need to love my kids well, and I, they need to see me being healthy right. in the Lord. So everything is directed through yeah. Christ is on the throne. All of these things serve him, even my rest. And that's why First yeah. Corinthians 10, 31, like do all to the glory of God. Like, right. 
It no. sometimes seems like kind of an obscure text. Like, what is that? Like, how do you, how do you eat to the glory of God? Well, because it's him sitting on the throne, governing your decisions yeah. that direct, like, I'm going to eat because if I don't, I'm not going to be able to serve the Lord well. You know, I'm going to, mm. all these things filter right. through that process. And that's a day that is just a slower day for us. Like it's meant that way, like a lot more margin and a lot more like, you know, we're pretty, and we're, we're going to talk about today, like time, you know, we're pretty um, regimented on the amount of things we do throughout the week and we're always cramming stuff in. So Saturday's a day of just like, there's no real, you know, rush. You know, I got a new uh, pellet smoker, so a lot of times that's a day of doing something like that. So, like, I'm up just putting that on in the morning or, you know, drinking coffee and just hanging out or maybe take some extra time to read and pray or, like I said, you know, maybe we'll go to the pool, maybe we'll get ready and then go to a ball game. or It's just, like, there's things that we're doing, but it's the whole tone of that day is like, hey, you know, we don't have to rush. You know, if you want to take a nap, take a nap type of deal, you know. A little more chill that day for that purpose. Yeah. Well, that's, I didn't really plan this, but this leads in well to our topic today, which is the leader in time, chapter 12. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically how the leader spends his time. Yeah. Um, time is a finite resource that we have. And it says one of the best use or the best use of one's life is to spend it for something that will outlast it. So basically and, and that's the glory of God, right? Like right. So God has this this biblical uh, purpose for our life that's the same for all Christians. Yeah. But he also has in your life like a specific ministry or Absolutely. vision or purpose for you. And so to walk in that uh, and use our time accordingly. Now, that doesn't mean being productive. Like we just talked about 24-7. Sometimes mm-hmm. one of those whole, whole day is going to be restful in order to, you know, fuel that Absolutely. time. So, yeah. Um, yeah, let's kick it off with, I guess, our our verse that kind of guides this, Ephesians mm-hmm. 5, 16. Uh, do you have it? Or I can yeah. Get it. it says, make the best use of your time. <laughs> That's what it says uh, in the book. Well, there's, yeah, there's a little more to it. <laughs> can't find it. Yeah, you got it on the. Yeah, it's basically just redeeming the time. You know, like mm-hmm. don't don't let it um, just pass you by. Don't be un, unthoughtful or non-strategic about you know how you're using your time. Yeah, um, make the best use and of the time we because the days into, are evil. It says making the best right, use. Right, so of if time we're not thoughtful about it. It's going to get like the the enemy's going to end up using it for his own purposes. For sure, so we have to make sure we're filtering all that. I think that's a super important too. Like the days are evil. Um, if you read that in context of Ephesians, it talks a lot about our flesh and a lot about spiritual warfare. It's like the the default of our... Sorry, somebody's trying to call me. The default of our um, day is our, you know, just without anything else is our flesh. Like we got to fight our flesh yeah. all the time. And then there's spiritual warfare on top of that. So like if you're not intentional about what you're doing you're definitely going to get uh, caught up in some sort of sin. <laughs> just the way it goes. Yeah. Yeah, and just looking at time as we're, okay, if we're using this time for to do something that's mm-hmm. God-glorifying, that will outlast us as, right. as finite people, um, we all have the same resource. We all have 24 hours in a day. Right. You know, unlike money, we're all, we're all, coming to this world at different levels, you know, economically. However, the president of the United States, you know, he still has 24 hours in a day. Mm-hmm. Apostle Paul, 24 hours. Jesus, he had 24 hours in a right. day. Right. So how we use this time and we can make the most right. of it. It's so important. It's really what separates leaders yeah. from, you know, non-leaders. I love that point. It's so important too because even going back to that verse, so it talks about the reactionary, the default of sin, but it also is calling us to being on the offensive. Like when Christ died and rose again, he gives us the great commission saying, I, now all authority is under me, like go make disciples. So there is a offensive call to Christians. Like our days, should we should be on the offensive, right? Thinking right. and praying and figuring out how we can 
spread the image of God throughout the entire world, whether that be praying for unreached people groups and seeing, you know, praying about going ourselves or praying for those who are over there that, that the Lord would use that or, or praying about ourselves, like how we can reach our neighbors or our friends or where can I go to meet someone new if I don't have anybody lost in my life? Like, we should be intentional, right. intentional, intentional, intentional. That's, yeah. uh, that's the big word. And there's a lot of things in life that we can't help, you know, natural abilities. If you're charismatic, you know, if you're super intelligent, maybe like just certain natural things that, that we're not really going to be held accountable for, but how we use our time, mm-hmm. we're all given this. It's like the parable of the talents, you know, like right. we're all given the same, the same amount of mm-hmm. purchasing power really is what it is. Yeah. And it's like, that's how we redeem time. We purchase you know, good work, basically. Like, we purchase our, our, right. our days. And I kind of hate that excuse, although there's some something to be said about, yeah, maybe you're not the one who's who should be on a stage preaching, right? But when it comes to the call of making disciples, that has nothing to do with your personal abilities or, person, or personality, right? Um, it has everything to do with your prayer life and your intentionality because... I mean, God works through us to do it. It's not us who does right. it. So if you're not charismatic or not normally somebody like that, and then God, and you are faithful in that, and God uses you, it just gives God more glory. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But like, well, that's, of it's it not a reason not like, to do it. No, exactly. But So we've been going out with college students just sharing our faith with people on the streets. We do that once a week. And mm-hmm. what I've noticed with some of the students is like, they've actually never talked to strangers. Yeah. And so they're not comfortable even like getting to know someone randomly. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, man, like you're nervous because you're one, you're overthinking it because you think it's something up to you that you're going right. to help save this guy. But also you're not even comfortable talking to him. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be held accountable because right. you're awkward and you've never had the experience of talking to someone, you're going to yeah. be held accountable. How faithful mm-hmm. were you? You know, were yeah. you, did you step out in faith and trust God leading you and have these conversations right. anyway? Um, and so that's one, one thing, one lesson we're trying to get across to mm-hmm. our students is like, Hey, you're not responsible for going out there and being fruitful. You're responsible to go be faithful. Mm-hmm. And the more faithful right. you are, the more fruitful you will be. But that fear and talking to people or building those relationships, really comes out of a place of pride and thinking way too much of yourself, right? Like, yeah, here's the, here's the well, greatest. Also never do They've never done it. Before. Right. But I'm saying like, here's the big lesson of humility that they're learning and that we should all learn. No yeah. one cares. Nobody cares right. about you. Like, I mean, just not, not that people don't love you, but my point is like, when it comes to building a friendship or sharing your faith, like, yeah, they might get awkward for a moment, but they don't really care about you. It ain't like they're going to think about right. it afterwards. You know, if the Lord's not working, it's not like they're going to be like, I can't. And in your head, you're like, man, what are they thinking of me now? Like, oh, it's going to be awkward when I see them, now. all this stuff. It's like, dude, you think way too much about how much they're going to think about you. No one really yeah. ca- no one really cares. And that's freeing because, like, yeah, my job is just to be faithful. And I don't have to worry about all that stuff. And right. I can just go out and share the gospel and trust the Lord with it and not worry about what they think of me. And even if they do think something weird of me, like, who cares? Why does that even matter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the that was the first experience I had with one of these guys. And by the end of the night, they were he was crushed. Mm-hmm. You know, just like people kept rejecting him. And really they were they were not wanting to hear what he had to say because he was being so self-focused that yeah. it was coming off super awkward exactly. and off-putting. And so the next time we went out, it's like, hey, get the pressure of like saving people off of your shoulders. That's God's work. Right. You just go start up a conversation. Don't even worry about sharing your testimony this first time. So starts up a conversation about something surface level, ends up sharing his testimony anyway because it's just, it naturally comes out. That's what mm. he's there for. That's what he's been trained for. But once he took the focus off of, off of himself, he mm-hmm. had, you know, a great night. Like he ended up sharing the gospel with four dudes were sitting down and we yeah. go up and speak to him. And, and by the end of it, he's like sharing this diagram Dude, about awesome. how Christ changed his life and how he could change their life too. And he's so comfortable in that moment. Like I'm watching him. He's just like 
super calm, cool, collected. Yeah. He's being himself. He's laughing, joking because it, it wasn't about him anymore. That's right. So it, it's been cool. To, and that's kind of been the consensus, you yeah. know, that's right. We're, we're bringing, there's like two, well, maybe 170 students right now walking around. Yeah. Disney Springs sharing their faith. That's, pretty cool. And that's the biggest, like, I, I I can't say that enough. And if no one ever gets anything out of our podcast, that very point, <laughs> that it is never about you. It's always about God right. and about Christ, about his glory. The more you make your life about God and his glory and, and him, man, it's so freeing. Like, that's where confidence comes from. That's where joy comes from. Yeah. You know, you're not worth worshiping, you know? Stop, right. stop trying to. You yeah. Know? Anyway, I digress. Yeah, I'm not back on the, the use of our time. Anyway, sorry. Too many soapboxes. I'm fired up today, you know? Co- yeah. Coffee was strong, feeling good. All right, so let's go to more practical use. So, so we're, we're looking at the actual allotment mm-hmm. of our time. So okay. suppose that we, we give ourselves eight hours a day yeah. to sleep. And that's pretty generous. I don't think many people sleep that much. But I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I can't sleep eight hours. I get more more tired if I sleep that long. You yeah. get yourselves three hours for meals each day. Mm-hmm. Again, that's pretty generous. Um, Ten hours uh, for work and travel uh, a week. And then Ten hours a week? With all, yeah, ten hours a week. Or Are you sure about that? Ten hours for work and travel. That's pretty sure. Why would you say ten hours? For a, is that for one day or for a whole week? No, I said 10 hours for work and travel. I don't know. I don't know what you're reading out of. This is page 114. My page is different than yours, I guess. You're on 114. I'm on the nine. whole point he's getting to. I'm on 93. Well, it says it, it is often helpful to keep records of how each hour in a given week is spent. So what he's getting to is making a budget of your time. You sleep eight hours, you work 40 hours, let's just say that. Mm-hmm. All said and done, you'll have X amount of hours left over. And when you typically, when you see that number, you're going to be shocked at like, what am I doing in that time? Like, how am I using that time? And I think that's, that's where we can start being a good steward of our time, right? We have this mm-hmm. finite resource that we can use for God's glory. The, a lot of it is fixed. Sleep, meals, work—these things are all fixed. Um, right. So, how then are we are we using this time that is not fixed? We can treat it like a budget because it is like you know, time is money. They say. Um, so, I think that's right. a good place to start. You know, how we can use the this extra time we have. Absolutely, I love what um, uh, J. H. Jowett. I think it's maybe how you say his name. His quote sure. on page ninety four. Um, cause he's, he's coming on the backside of a leader will seldom say, I don't have the time such a, such an excuse is usually to refuse uh, the, the refuge, the refuge, sorry, of a small minded, insufficient person. So then he goes to this J.H. Jowett, um, a quote where he says, I think one of the cant phrases of our day is the familiar one by which we express our permanent want of time. We repeat it so often that by the very repetition, we have deceived ourselves into believing it. It is never the supremely busy men who have no time. So compact and systematic is the regulation of their day that whenever you make a demand on them, they seem to find additional corners to offer for unselfish service. I confess as a minister that the men to whom I most hopefully look for additional service are the busiest men. And I think that's so true. I've uh, I've definitely been a guy in my lifetime who looked to comfort or, or was a, you know, work hard, play hard guy. You know, so when I'm at my place of business or on the farm or whatever, like do the job and work hard at that. But then like when I'm done, it's like, you know, I'm done and I'm now I'm only going for pleasure, right? Only going for stuff like that. I've been that guy. Yeah. Um, and I've also been the guy in college. I mean, you hear those college students all the time. I'm sure, so busy, so busy, so busy. And uh, oh yeah, as a 
husband and father, you're like, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> you don't even know you're yeah. busy. If you've watched multiple Netflix shows in one day, you're not busy. You know that sort of thing. Yeah, I've been I've been going to a movie theater in four years. Yeah, <laughs> so busy, so busy, right? Um, but that's I think that's what you learn as a leader as as you grow into leadership and you have responsibilities, uh, and your capacity gets expanded. It's not like you get more time in the day. You just learn how to be more effective and efficient with what you're doing, and you do and yeah. you end up doing a lot more. You know. Um, you know, people, when, when our interns started here at Nehemiah Project, uh, one of our interns, Ben, he, he kind of serves as an intern here, but also serves as my assistant too, just helping me with my schedule and stuff, um, to plan out and, uh, for counseling appointments and different things. And, um, after the first week, he's like, I don't think I'm ever going to complain to you about not being... (laughs) about being too busy because <laughs> right because like if you look at my schedule it's all blue like if you use the 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 uh apple calendar or whatever when you fill in all my stuff's blue so if you open my calendar for my day it's always blue but i don't mind that um because it's using it effectively it's like all right this hour I'm meeting this person all right this hour i'm working on this thing this hour i'm working on this this hour i'm doing a podcast um which one of our listeners, uh, Brett Gibson, I think uh, he's been listening to. You know Brett, uh, Josh? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. He was like, how many podcasts are you doing? He said, I feel like every time I'm on a, I listen to a podcast, you're on it. Because he listens to Nehemiah. Yeah. So I'm like, I only do a couple. But but the point is, like, you know, my schedule, everything gets busier and busier. But then also, like, if somebody calls me, I also want to be there for them and, like, take the time to meet with them or help them out and so i think that that uh, quote is so true you know i look at your life i look at a, sam's I, could, I can go down a list of leaders around me that man their their days are chock full of busyness but it's doing the right things and doing them effectively and doing them intentionally you know yeah um but the ones who complain about being too busy or tend to be the people that do the least yeah in my experience yeah so anyways the the math problem we were trying to figure out earlier was uh it was per day so <laughs> i was gonna say it sounded like it was probably per day but whatever yeah so he gave us <laughs> 10 hours of work and travel a day which if you add all that up gives you 35 extra hours a week so mm-hmm. basically how are you filling those 35 hours right and that's a lot of time that's another mm-hmm. full-time job on that yeah um, so what are we doing during that time? But what he transitions to in the book after that, which I think is the most helpful, is looking at Jesus's life and the peace that Jesus walks through life with. Having only three years to accomplish the most important work ever, ever. accomplished in history of well, the, the world, the having the same, yeah, <laughs> he had the same 24 hours a day that we had. He was never rushed never hurried um he probably never mm-hmm. said he was so busy you <laughs> right. know what i'm saying he had he literally was he having was, people coming left and right being healed and all this kind of stuff for like days on end and he never said Man, yeah john says so busy. He, like all the books in the world couldn't contain how many things he'd done yeah. in in just a quick three years um but then also the peace that he walks through life with you know never feeling guilty because that's what i tend to is like when I'm being slow or restful, I feel guilty, like I need to be doing something. And I think that's just the wrong way of looking at it. It needs to be filtered through, like, is what I'm doing right now, like, helping or hurting my my purpose, you know, that God has created me for? And if it's helping, then I need to be, I need to be there in that moment and be restful. Or if I'm in a conversation with someone, I need to be fully engaged in that conversation I need to be prayerful. Um, so it says here, the secret of Jesus's serenity or peace lay in his assurance that he was working according to the father's plan for his life, a plan that embraced every hour and made provision for every need. Mm-hmm. So it's just like being in tune and in communion with God, knowing that what you are doing yeah. is, is in line with and purposed by God, mm-hmm. that's going to give you peace, yeah. right? Like you're going to be able to be 
you know, you ever see someone when they're like in a conversation, but they're like always checking their phone or like, mm-hmm. you can tell they're just restless. Like yeah. they want to be somewhere else. They don't believe that what they're doing is, is God's plan. That's right. So good. You know, one of the first times I really started to learn about being intentional with time was actually in campus outreach when, when I was in it back in college. And, um, the guy decided me, Josh and, and Will Witherington, um, a lot of your guys know those guys, but they showed us yeah, this, famous. this uh, seven-day week calendar. It's like marked out hourly and all this stuff. And the biggest concept that it never dawned on me was um, Will would even schedule dreaming time or he would schedule his downtime. And it mm-hmm. was because then it was like it was intentional. This is the point of this time is to and in that time he's like, do whatever you want. But like. It's like you've looked at your whole week and you've made sure to take care of all the responsibilities and the study time that you wanted to do, the the book you wanted to read, like all the stuff. And then like, yeah, put a couple slots in there of just like, this is just my free time. And in that free time, be free. Do whatever you want. But at least it's yeah, like we have, mapped out is what I'm trying to say. We have four things we put in our schedules uh, that can help like kind of do that same thing. One is need of the hour. Mm -hmm. So that's the time where you just like, maybe you have a checklist of things you need to knock off and you're just going to take the next one. But it's like for an hour and a half, two hours, whatever, what is the need? Is it, do I need to write an email? Do I need to send my wife a text message? Do I need to call my mom? Cause it's her birthday was two days ago and I forgot about (laughs) it. You know, (laughs) whatever, whatever it may be need of the hour. Another thing is be with people. So now, this could look different depending on what your life looks like. But sure. with us being on project, people are everywhere. I have two hours every day where I'm just going to go walk around, find someone hanging, and I'm just going to be with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to be intentional and in, the, in those conversations. I'm going to meet new people, you know, build relationships, whatever it may be. Um, another one is uh, getting things done. So, like, getting things done to like that are directly – in line with my job or my ministry, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. And then there's off time where it's like, I can't do ministry during that time. You yeah. know, it's just, it's just, I have to right. either dream or go do something else or like something. I can't mm-hmm. text someone related to, uh, which pushes me to when I'm, when I have the need of the hour, I need to get it done then, yeah. you know, rather than during my off time. Yeah, absolutely. So those are four little things that we do that I love that kind of like what you're talking about that are helpful. Yeah. And, there's no one, I mean, there's principles that guide all that. There's different ways you can go about it. I know Franklin Covey has a whole system, and there's a lot of different systems of, like, prioritizing things that need to, you need to do and things in your life. Um, but the point is to be intentional, right? And the funny yeah. thing that I learned, because I'm a guy who likes freedom. You know, like, if I, if I hem myself in on, a, on, like, a rigid schedule, I start to rebel against myself, right? But scheduling the free time, what I learned and what Will taught us is actually you'll be more free and you'll actually spend more time dreaming and thinking than you will if you don't schedule it because there's so many distractions that will come into your life. And you'll be the guy that thinks, man, I'm just so busy, I can never do this. I can never do this. I can never do this. Mm -hmm. It's It's not true. You just have to sit down and actually set time aside and protect it. You know, schedule it into your schedule. You're right. And it's so true. Because, you know, people ask me all the time, you know, they'll ask my wife and I, because she's a, she's a super, you know, productive leader too. I'd be like, how do you all have the time to do X, Y, and Z? How do you all have the time to go do family stuff? How do you have the time to spend time together and go on dates? And it's like, well, we schedule it. <laughs> and we make it happen. Yeah. You know? But then people also make fun of us, like, if they just call us up randomly and be like, hey, let's just, let's go hang out and do this. It's like, well, we probably can't, because <laughs> we've... We've uh, we've got something else we've planned out <laughs> at this moment, right? You know, so that is the give or take, but you know, yeah. But you'll end up planning what's important, mm-hmm. you know. And if you're being thoughtful, that's we've been spending a lot of time doing. Um, well, not a lot of time, but some. There's been blocks in our schedule to focus on marriage, and w- one of the things that keeps mm-hmm. coming up is communication. Yeah. Like women, I think more than men mm-hmm. love communicating oh my goodness 
and they feel loved when we come to them and, and communicate our expectations, our yeah. days, our weeks, what we have. Yeah. And so that's been a big focus of mine as mm-hmm. Britt's here with the kids, keeping her updated constantly on like when I'm going to have free time, you know, when I have the podcast, you know, <laughs> and uh, I don't always do a good job of that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm always. But it just there. helps. Yeah, because like a husband and a wife should be unified in their visions and unified in their yeah. purpose and their ministry. And typically we'll, we'll, we'll start going in different ways mm-hmm. and that'll, that'll bring some division and some strife. And so to communicate and be on the same page, you know, it makes both of our ministries you know, more spirit filled, yeah. which is good. It's so true. And, uh, it, that's been a, probably a lifelong struggle of mine. If there's a area of weakness in my leadership of, of my family and my wife, it's, being an effective, consistent communicator, you know, consistency is key with that. Yeah. Cause you got, that's when you got to keep talking about it, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. which I mean, I got to bring this up, but it's kind of <laughs> like, I think the way women view sex, oh, no. they're like, you need to have sex again. And I'm like, yeah, it's a constant thing. Right. You know, just like that's right. communication. That's a perfect way. Yeah. You know, sit down with your wife, like, listen, it's just like how you want my communication. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyways, um, I think maybe the last thing we can talk about is the biggest hindrance to this time management we're talking about is maybe possibly mm-hmm. procrastination. Oh, yeah. Um, and how this can really steal God's purposes for our life. It can just steal the day away from us. Absolutely. Um, he calls it, Oswald Sanders calls it the thief of time. Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, the devil's most potent weapons for defrauding yeah. us of eternal heritage. God, mm-hmm. he just has a way with words. Yeah. But it's, it's so true. Procrastination has been something that I battle constantly. Because it's one thing to schedule the blocks of time. It's another thing to get in that block of time and get to get down to business, right? Like, especially with things, it's easy in a meeting. You know, if I got a meeting, I just walk in because it kind of forces. I can't just sit there and like procrastinate. If I'm sitting there to meet with someone, like <laughs> that person's expecting a conversation, right? But if I set the block of time for dreaming or for uh, for writing, and, and it's just you and the computer, and it's very easy to be like, ah, well, let me let me get in the mood. Let me, <laughs> yeah. Procrastination really starts to creep in in those moments, for sure. Yeah. For me, it's phone calls. Like, I don't love yeah. getting on the phone. And so if I need to make a phone call, it'll typically, yeah. I'll push it off till after lunch and then I'll push it off the next day. Um, but that, to me, because that's one of my struggles, mm-hmm. one of the biggest exercises of getting over procrastination is just dialing now and just jumping into a combo. Yeah. Um, so I think we could all find that place where we're mm-hmm. most prone to procrastinate mm-hmm. and practice the habit of doing it now. Yeah. He says in the For last sure. chapter or the last paragraph, do it now is a motto that has led many people to worldly success and it is equally relevant in spiritual matters. A helpful method for overcoming procrastination is to carefully set deadlines and never miss or never postpone even one. Mm-hmm. And then he says, uh, a lifelong reader was asked by friends, how do you get time to read? He said, I don't get time for it. I take time. Yeah. One thing that I'll say just to balance this conversation, because I think these principles are all true and we should all try to exercise them, is in your scheduling, have an open hand with it. Um, yeah. Because be be willing to have God-interrupted moments. Right, like, don't get upset if you have time to set aside to read, and your wife needs to talk about something, or your kid comes in and wants to talk about something. Don't be upset if you know you were going to knock out this email, and someone calls you and needs to talk. Like, try to try to stick to like have a plan so you have an intentional drive, but also keep your hands open for God to to change those plans. Right. Yeah. Um, Because we're not God. So when we set our schedules, be careful not to presume upon the Lord of like, this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I'm going to do right now. Uh, It may, you know, may very well be what you should do. And and what you find is 80% of the time, it's going to work out that way. But there's that 20% where 
you know, you thought you were going to do something today, but God completely changed it. And don't be upset about that. You know, rejoice that the Lord's using you in different ways and, and lean into it. It's okay. And then just rework, you know, scheduling and time management is a daily thing, just like communicating with your wife or anything else. It's like, right. It's a moving target, right? You're always checking back in. You're always restructuring, retooling, praying through it. Like, guys, that's what you want me to do right now. Like maybe I, maybe I was wrong about what I should have been doing today. (laughs) You know, I need to restructure it. You know, I did that uh, yesterday or two days ago with our with a couple of our interns. It was like I had planned doing some writing. I was feeling the weight of everything, and I just called them up to my office and said, guys, let's just take 20 minutes to pray. I feel like the most important thing we can do right now is pray, you know. Um, and so I didn't get as much writing done. That's okay. I feel like we did something yeah. more effective So because God was putting it on my heart. Yeah, it's good. And also just be wise, like, I don't schedule my time alone with God, you know, prayer and Bible study and Bible reading for eight o'clock in the morning when my kids are all going to be up running around. That's right. why I get up early because I know you're just setting yourself. You know, be, well, my kids are my kids are running around. I can't pray. Well, I need to pray when no one else is awake. Right. You know, need because that's it. when I'd be uninterrupted. Yeah, I need to change that schedule. So, yeah, so that would be maybe the two challenges. One is mm-hmm. it's a moving target. So where do you need to realign your time management this right. week? You know, sit down with your spouse or just yourself and and look at the allotment. You know, those 35 extra hours you have a week, how are you using those? Mm-hmm. And then maybe the procrastination piece, looking for, you know, where do you tend to procrastinate and how can you practice just getting it done and just, you know, yeah. making that phone call or whatever that phone call is for you. Uh, just practice that this week and yeah. start building that muscle of, you know, right. non-procrastination. That's right. Well, good stuff, brother. I think it's awesome. Alrighty. All right, dude. See y'all next week. Thank you for listening to the Change Up podcast. This podcast is made possible by the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. If you don't have a home church, please come check us out. We have service times at 845 and 1045 on Sundays, and you can find more information at thefieldnola.com. If you found this podcast to be helpful, please share it with a friend or family member and rate and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other people just like you find us.